Crowd trying to breathe some life into this Boston team. Here's Giannis at the free throw line against Kyrie. Spins through him. Got a foul. Got it up and got it in. Spinning and twisting. Laying it in and fouled a chance for three for the Greek Freak. It is time for the Sports Pan on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Thanks for hanging out with me in your Tuesday afternoon. Coming at you from 4 to 5, as I love to do on the radio airwaves of ESPN-UPWZAM, Ishpeming Marquette. Charlie Bramer will be along here in just a few minutes. I'm going to break down the NBA playoffs, recap a couple of pivotal Game 4s last night, preview tonight's matchups, recap and preview of the NHL Stanley Cup, take a look inside Major League Baseball, what's been going going on there get a little check in get a little update what have you all that is going to come at you over the course of the next hour once again if you miss any part of the show it's available in the on-demand section of our free mobile app you can get it from the apple i store or google play just search espn up I want to start the show by congratulating the milwaukee bucks on moving on to the eastern conference semifinals they mostly clinched it last night not officially not mathematically but realistically They clinched their series against the Boston Celtics with a 113-101 win last night at the TD Garden. Giannis was as advertised, 39 points, 16 rebounds. But the role players have stepped up and have been playing a pivotal role for Milwaukee in this series. Pat Connaughton, 9 points, 10 rebounds, follows a fantastic Game 3. George Hill with 15 points. He's been waiting, what, a decade for a team like this? And now he's making the most out of it. Last night was the perfect game for someone like Giannis to go to work. Neither team was shooting the three ball well. Each finished 22% from behind the arc. Giannis saw wide open green paint right in front of the basket all night long. But he really didn't start taking advantage of it until the second half. Credit Mike Budenholzer made the adjustment, found the Celtics weak spot, exposed it, made it work. And that all goes back to the ability to shoot the three ball. Again, neither team was able to do it very well last night. Each of them had four at halftime. On the Celtics side of things, Kyrie Irving finished with 23 points, but you look closer, he was 7 of 22. He was not efficient. Kyrie Irving has been pretty good in games 1 and 3 in this series. 2 and 4 has been a whole different story. Kyrie Irving has not been the Kyrie Irving the Celtics need him to be. And I give him credit, last night when the shots weren't falling for him, he was a facilitator. He was impacting the game in other ways. He was swinging the ball and getting guys wide open looks. Albeit the team wasn't making those looks, But Kyrie did the right thing. When you have an off game, when you're not hitting, you start facilitating and you set up your teammates. I firmly believe you don't have to be a scorer to be a positive impact in a basketball game at any level, especially in the defensive end. And Kyrie was doing about everything last night except scoring the ball with efficiency like we know he can. And again, still had 23 points, but you look inside the box score and 7-22, of not nearly as impressive. And to tell you what, speaking of not nearly as impressive, how about Jason Tatum? Some of those younger guys that played big roles for Boston during their playoff run last year. Anthony Davis for Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier. That's starting to look pretty good right now. Even Marcus Smart, I know it was his first game back. He was determined to make that three-pointer until he finally got one. Unfortunately, that ended up being his only points of the game. So neither team shot the ball well from three last night. They were making it work inside. Second half, both teams really started attacking the paint, and that's where most of the offense came. Then the third quarter, which always seems to be the decisive quarter in this series, 
Giannis went out with foul trouble. Chris Middleton went out with foul trouble. That's where the Bucks bench erupts, and that's where you get to guys like Connaughton, like Hill. Those guys stepped up, and they've had not only a great game four, they've had a heck of a series. In fact, last night, the Milwaukee bench outscored Boston 32-7. to 32-7 edge and bench points. That ended up being the deciding factor. Because all five Boston starters finished in double figures. Two of them had double-doubles. Starter scoring definitely in Boston's favor. Bench points, a whole different story. So Milwaukee goes over 30 years without a playoff win in Boston. They collect two in less than a week. And now they have a chance to close out this series on their home floor. Whether that be in game five or seven. Boston is going to play with absolute desperation now. But will it be enough? The Celtics got their key role player back, but he didn't have much of an impact last night. Milwaukee is still waiting for theirs, being Malcolm Brogdon. The question, though, while Milwaukee's gotten such a rhythm going without Brogdon, they've got a 7-1 record in these playoffs without him, plus they finished strong during the regular season, got to 60 wins. What role does Malcolm Brogdon play when he comes back? Does he get back to being that efficient-as-ever facilitator? Because Pat Connaughton looks like he stepped up and taken on that role for Milwaukee. George Hill is stepping up and taking on that role. Tony Snell is trying to step up and take on that role. Malcolm Brogdon is an extremely valuable player, and I want him to get back if the Bucs do indeed make a run to the finals. Because they can close out the Celtics without Malcolm Brogdon. They can close out whoever they get in the Eastern Conference Final without Brogdon. I don't know that you can close out the Golden State Warriors or whoever the Western champion is without Malcolm Brogdon, and hopefully he comes back, whether it be late in this Boston series or in the Eastern Conference Finals, because if it's Milwaukee who wins the East, I want to see Brogdon in the lineup. Again, neither team able to shoot from outside well last night, but they got fantastic looks. Expect that to change in Game 5. I'm talking about the inability to shoot from outside. That's going to come back. I don't know who it's going to come back for first, but it's going to come back. Both teams are going to remember that they've got shooters And they've got the ability to knock down big shots at big points in the game. And that kind of transcended to the Western Conference Game 4 last night between the Rockets and Warriors. And before I transition completely to that, let me just say, I've gotten to know a few Bucs fans since I've come up here. I'm happy for the Bucs. If they do get past the Celtics, I'm going to be on their bandwagon. But from just the handful of Bucs fans that I've gotten to know since I've come up here and I follow on Twitter... If you read their Twitter during a game and you knew nothing about the team, you would think this team went 3-79. and It is complaint after complaint after complaint. I mean, again, this is only a select few of Bucks fans that I know, but guys, you won 60 games. You're going to move on. Smile. Be happy. You have a wonderful team. You've got one of your best teams in franchise history. Be happy. I see it. A game that's like 18 to 17 in the first quarter. Oh my gosh, the Bucks are awful. Shot selection's terrible. They're going to lose. Guys, be happy. I mean, my gosh, teams would kill to be where you are right now. Tell you what, transitioning to the other game four last night, that was over in the Western Conference. I have never seen two teams shoot the ball more poorly, and yet each of them reaches the triple-digit mark. Houston won that game 112 to 108 over Golden State, evening that series at two games apiece. The Rockets were in a situation where both home games, three and four, were must-wins. And they do it. They climb out of a 2-0 deficit, and they even this series at two games apiece. Golden State still has home court advantage. The series will go back to Oakland for game five. But the Rockets are 
probably putting up a better fight than a lot of people gave him credit for. James Harden with 38 points last night, 10 rebounds, finishes with the double-double. But I say it was the worst shooting game for two teams that both hit the century mark because Golden State shot 47% from the field. Houston was actually worse at 44%. Neither of them shot the ball particularly well, and yet big offense was on display. This is what I was getting at last week when I said I believe that the Portland Trailblazers have the best chance at beating the Warriors in a series. Did the Rockets outscore Golden State last night? Yeah, it was an offensive shootout. Very little defense was played. And give credit to Houston. They outscored Golden State. They got in a shootout with them, and they beat them. Can they do that to win a seven-game series? Can they do that four times? No, I don't believe so. Because Golden State is not going to shoot 8 of 33 from behind the arc like they did last night. They are not going to do that probably again in this series, maybe even in these playoffs. At some point, you have to play a little bit of defense. Houston didn't do much of it last night, but they still were able to get the win because they outscored them. They took advantage of a poor shooting night. Golden State, again, 8 of 33 from behind the arc last night. Steph Curry had his worst professional playoff game on Saturday night in Game 3. Clay Thompson wasn't much better. It hasn't been so much as Houston outplaying Golden State in their two wins in this series as much as Golden State just not hitting open shots. And that is not going to continue on throughout the series. That is going to change. Golden State's going to get back home, get in front of their home crowd. They're going to remember who they are. They'll remember that they have the Splash Bros. Kevin Durant's continue to put up outstanding, eye-popping numbers. He's going to keep doing that. And Golden State's going to be just fine. A team that really could take them to the wire would be the Portland Trailblazers, just based on the way they're built, their length, their ability to play defense. But they're in a little trouble themselves. I don't see them getting out of the Western Conference semifinals. I see Denver winning that series. And I don't see Denver beating Golden State in a seven-game series. So neither game last night featured terribly efficient shooting. But all four teams that played last night all reached the century mark. That's the NBA we're living in. Offense reigns. But the team that can play a little defense, that's the one that can be the spoiler for you. I believe that Portland is the team best equipped to beat Golden State in the Western Conference playoffs. I just don't think they're going to get the chance to do it. I see Golden State beating Houston and meeting Denver and the Western Conference Finals, and then a Golden State-Milwaukee Final. Charles Barkley thinks the Bucs have a chance to win it, and let me tell you something, he's right. They do. They definitely have a chance to win it. In fact, Sir Charles is saying the Bucs are going to win it. I'm not ready to say that yet. I'm not going to speculate while we still have eight teams alive. I'm not going to speculate who would win the NBA Finals. While we still have eight teams left, I'm not going to talk about a potential Final Two matchup. Because you've still got teams that could beat some, but couldn't others, a la Portland, Denver, Golden State. It's all about the matchup and who ends up meeting in that finals. But I tell you what, Milwaukee fans should absolutely feel encouraged if they meet Golden State in the NBA Finals. For one thing, they'll have home court advantage. For the other, they've got the MVP, the guy who deserves this year's MVP award. You can bank on it next week when each of their series ends Giannis will have emerged as the MVP over James Harden. It is going to be obvious by the time their playoff series end next week. Because Giannis will still be playing, and Harden will not. Giannis deserves to be this year's MVP. 
With that, let's take our first time out. When we come back, Charlie Bramer is going to join me. We're going to break down tonight's games. What's coming up on tap? A couple of very critical game fives in the NBA playoffs. We've got Toronto hosting Philly. We've got Denver hosting Portland. We're going to break it down next for you in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you. Glad that you're with us. We look ahead to the NBA playoffs tonight in a pair of Game 5s. It begins up north with the 76ers taking on the Raptors. I don't know what to make of this series, Charlie. It seems like every game a different team shows up. It seems like every game a different Joel Embiid shows up. For me, he's the biggest catalyst. Some days he looks amazing and others he looks... He doesn't look very good. And I know he's been dealing with some health stuff. He's been sick. Apparently he didn't sleep, got an IV before game four where he shot like four of 23. Some days he looks amazing. Other days he's dealing with the flu to the point where he can't play efficiently at all. Some guys can play amazing. They have a hallmark like Michael Jordan. We've romanticized that flu game so much that we expect a lot of guys to be held to that standard when they're at that caliber. I don't know what we're going to get out of Joel Embiid tonight because apparently this is an ongoing illness. Some nights he's amazing and some nights he's not. Isn't that kind of how he's been all season long? And and I guess during the season it wasn't a night-to-night thing, but it would be kind of uh, – it would go more in three or four-game stretches. Um, and and even when I would see him uh, play teams like the Bucks, there'd be certain games where he would just be, man – Giannis having a real tough time with him tonight. And then there's other games where he'd score 45 points. And 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 so is that something that Embiid just has to grow into, uh, find ways to be consistent? More players than you could think of throughout history that have had that problem. So that's not really a cut on him. It's just something that, and it goes to show that, even the greatest players in the game have things that they need to improve on. We're going to wonder what Kawhi Leonard we get tonight, too, because he was absolutely amazing in a game that felt like a must-win Sunday in Philadelphia. Scores 39 points, a double-double to help his team get the win. Shows why he's one of the most clutch players in the game with a dagger three at the 61-second mark in the fourth quarter. If Kawhi is anything like that, it doesn't matter how Joel Embiid is playing, Toronto is going to win this game at home. Yeah, and and I mean, Kawhi is really, I, I was expecting, especially, you know, guys like Kyle, Kyle Lowry and Danny Green, you're expecting to get more, even Serge Ibaka, you know, he's, over the course of the series, he's averaging six and five, um, and, and Kawhi's at 38, nine, and four, so it, it's just, you see those stats, and, and you really realize I mean, obviously, your eyes see it when you watch the game. Then you look at the stats, and you you realize even more so how he has been carrying this team throughout the series so far. Well, I tell you what, Pascal Siakam's turned into a really good option for that Toronto team. I didn't know who he was, to be honest with you, before this series started. But look at him turning into a giant role player for Toronto. And and he's a guy that, um, you know, the Bucks faced the Raptors a lot early in the season, and um, he was a guy that Marcus Johnson, every time the Bucks would play the Raptors over and over, Marcus Johnson would be saying, I really think this is a guy that is going to be this, that, and the other thing. And he's saying uh, perennial all-star was what Marcus Johnson was saying. So, 
Um, I, I got to throw it out there that I've had a little bit more of an extra eye on this guy throughout the course of the season. And, and something that's really surprised me overall has been his defense and his three-point shooting. Uh, he's almost like uh, a really good Tony Snell. Of course, he's been cold throughout this series, uh, but the potential is really there. And, and, and he's a guy that can guard really... If you really wanted to push it, you know, and, and against a team like the Warriors, he could guard a one through five. He can guard a Durant. He could guard Clay Thompson. Um, and and it's just kind of scary to me that the Raptors are in such a tight series with Philadelphia and they're getting such little production out of players that you would expect they would get a lot more production out of. So if, if the Raptors do make it to the conference finals and they get hot as a team, it could be real trouble. I've got Toronto winning tonight's game, and I have them winning the series. What about yeah. you? Yeah, I, I would have to agree. And is it is it is it just me? I mean, obviously, um, I I feel like I don't know if it's Toronto being out coached, um, but it almost feels to me like Toronto has better player coaches, um, and they get more con. con- contributions in that area from their players than Philadelphia does and um, I feel like Toronto's a tighter team and and those are traits that lend to winning in the playoffs and and I think they're going to pull it out I, I would have to agree with you for sure do you agree with me when I say that Ben Simmons outside of game three against the Nets has been underwhelming this series yeah, and, and and is that a thing that for every single player, well, geez, almost every single player aside from J.J. Redick um, um, for Philadelphia, they just have all the talent in the world. And it's like every time I talk about one of these guys, I'm saying how they could be great for three or four games, and then they won't be great for three or four mm-hmm. games. And when are they going to put it together and be consistent? Is that something uh, – all these guys are going to be able to do collectively in Philadelphia. Sometimes it's a change of scenery um, that that affords players the the opportunity to really become uh, who who they're you know grow into who they really are as a basketball player. Um, and and I don't know I don't know if it's a coaching thing in Philadelphia, but and and this this is uh, just just if I was a coach, this would be about the biggest slight someone could say. Uh, about my coaching ability but I really do not believe that they're getting uh, management and coaching is not getting you know you, I kind of want to word this carefully but they're really not getting all out of their players which which I believe then you know the talent is there and they're just not getting it out of their players and I, I don't know why I really have no idea why especially out of Tobias Harris this yes. playoff series there was question would the team be able to re-sign Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris in the offseason? I didn't think they would be able to get both of them. It was probably going to be one or the other, and that seemed to be the consensus pick. There was a question. It's amazing. There was a debate at one time, which one should Philly re-sign in the offseason if they had to choose Jimmy Butler or Tobias Harris? After this playoff series, it's amazing to me that that was even a question people were asking at one point. Yeah, and and Tobias Harris, he's he's proven that on on teams you know like when he was with the clippers when he was with the pistons he's proven that he can be an all-star caliber player um 
is is he just one of these guys that doesn't play so well with other great players? Um, I think there's a real argument that could be made that Philadelphia is the most talented team aside from the Warriors, uh, you know, and and even though they're they're the most talented team in the Eastern Conference playoffs, they're kind of like the third best team in the Eastern Conference playoffs right now. So so that's a really weird weird thing I think to look at is is why are they not getting uh, what they need out of their star players. Last thing before we go to the Western Conference in the late game, how far does Toronto need to go to get Kawhi Leonard to want to re-sign this offseason? Like if they lose this round, he's probably not coming back. You know, it's it's one of those things that Kawhi Leonard is such a he just seems like he's he's very calculated and I wouldn't be surprised if he's already made that decision, mm-hmm. you know, and and we're just not hearing about it. You'd have to imagine winning the championship would help. Oh, yeah. You'd have to imagine it would really be help. To walk away. It would certainly be harder to walk away. And then and then Toronto should be able to offer him a considerable more amount of money than than anybody else, so you would hope that would help. Um but but I think there's just a really good chance he'll end up back in the Western Conference. Well, I tell you what, speaking of the Western Conference, the Blazers visit the Nuggets tonight. Game 5 of their series tied at two games apiece. This might be the most compelling playoff series that nobody is talking about. There's some good basketball on display in this one. You've got the Joker, Jamal Murray, going up against Dane McCollum, and Al-Farouk Aminu has burst on the scene, apparently. Denver was in a similar spot last series against San Antonio. They came back to win it. Now, they regain home court advantage. I tell you what, their ability to close out games without one star closer. They've got some good players, but without one star closer, they're 13 and 3 in one possession games. To me, that makes me think Denver is going to win this thing more than them having home court advantage does. That is definitely a stat that does not lie. And and in the playoffs, uh, you know, being a closing team like that, um, I think that's one of the traits that has has helped Milwaukee out and I really think it's going to you know, pay dividends like you just said. Um, this 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 series is is one of those series that you know, going into it, everybody that's a basketball fan knew what it was capable of being, and and now I think I just think I just love when teams, uh, you know, that you don't want to say second tier teams, but but you love it when teams that aren't as well known. Mm-hmm. Um, really start to get the national attention and 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 when you know guys like Chris Webber uh you know at the end of the game last night are saying you know if you want to see some good basketball he's like you know this series has been great but if you want to see mm-hmm. some really great basketball um go and watch that Trailblazers Nuggets series so uh they've been putting up points and it's been a lot of fun to watch Jokic has been putting up his 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 crazy triple doubles yep. and and he's proven to be as as far as a big man go is he the most versatile big man in the league right now except for Giannis I was kind of trying to speak towards you know is, is Jokic a five I, I would, consider, I, I would him a five. consider him a five so and Giannis being a four but I, I suppose you know forwards you know like you said they're both those two are definitely is he the most versatile five he might be yeah yeah and and I guess I should have been a little more concise with that but but as as far as forwards go, yeah, it's Jokic and Giannis, Eastern Western, and 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 you just love to see these young stars shine in the playoffs because it really it cements something for years to come, and and 
and it keeps people coming back. It's just what the NBA wants and needs. Give me a love it or leave it for this statement. Tonight is a must win for the Trailblazers. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say leave it. I don't think mm-hmm. it's a I don't think it's a must win. You know, if if you're a fan of the Trailblazers, isn't every game a must win in the well, playoffs? Yeah. So so that's what um, that's what just starts to to get me. But no, I really don't think it's a must win. If I was an over anxious fan, I would say for sure it was a must win. It it's tough. You know, Portland's gonna have to put up the points. It's gonna be really tough. But but no, I don't think tonight is is a must win because Denver could have some off games. You know that that's been known to happen. And 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 what do you think? You think it's a must win game? I think it is. You, I don't think they're gonna win a game seven in Denver. You know there there is. Uh, I could definitely see some merit to that. I could definitely see some merit to that. But I'm kind of going off the thought of. Well, Denver could just have a really bad game. They could, and 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 make up for it. You know, Portland could make up for it that way. But you 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 want your destiny in your own hands, and and from that aspect, it is a must win. You see a lot of similarities to Denver's series with San Antonio to this one. Maybe not the way the game is played, yeah. but the way the series is playing out. Yeah, I mean, it it's uh, I I loved how San Antonio. You know, it it kind of did. Did they make you question Denver a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I I was really honestly more much more hyped on Denver before that San Antonio series, mm-hmm. and now my hype levels right back up to where it was. Um, which which of course I shouldn't have been surprised. I mean, look at look at the team they were playing. Look at the coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and this time it was definitely a shame on me. I I let them I let them surprise me. Uh, San, as far as San Antonio, which I guess at this point that's definitely on me. But you know, with such great coaching like that, isn't that just a testament to how great of a coach and how great of an organization San Antonio is? And if they'd been able to pull it off against Denver, you know, would they have been doing the same thing to Portland? It, it's just a lot of fun to, I think, to speculate and, and look at these things. And, and a team that you didn't really think had it in them made it that close. Um, it, I think it's a lot of fun to speculate and talk about these uh, different possibilities. Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you. We owe you another timeout when we come back. A second ticket punch to the conference final round of the NHL playoffs. A third tonight. That's next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you. Here is your Sports Center update. An appeal filed by Gary West, owner of Maximum Security, challenging the result of the Kentucky Derby has been denied by the National Horse Racing Commission. U.S. Soccer has officially refuted a discrimination claim filed by the U.S. Women's National Team. And finally, an Oregon man was arrested after leaving a small explosive filled with dog feces on his neighbor's porch. The 48-year-old man was apparently not happy with the condition of something his neighbor borrowed and returned to him. So he filled a toolbox with dog feces, wired the toolbox to a battery and a car airbag, then rigged it to explode when opened. Neighbors said it sounded like an M80 went off when it was opened. The neighbor was not hurt, just grossed out. I'm I'm starting to think that guy might have had a little too much time on his hands. Starting maybe? to question humanity. Oh, if you want to get into questioning humanity, I got some stories for you, pal. Oh, I bet you do. <laughs> NHL, Wonderful. the Bruins. 
Denied John Tortorella a potential Game 7. They take down the Blue Jackets 3-0. They win that series 4-2. Tuka Rask was fantastic coming up with 39 saves. Tell you what, John Tortorella, head coach for Columbus, guaranteed there would be a Game 7 in Boston. Looks like he's going to be heading there himself because this series is over. Don't you just, uh, it makes you cringe when, when guys make those statements like mm-hmm. that. Um, obviously, he's he's trying to inject some confidence into his players, and, and you got to respect him for that. But you like that. It's always so fun. You know, these other series going to seven games. Um, to me, the best thing about the NHL playoffs is my time is all tied up in either baseball or NBA. Oh, man, the, the, there is nothing better. I mean, I do love a good Wayne Larrabee call, mm. and, 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 and there are some others that, that I really, really love. All these NHL announcers, man, best calls at the end of There's these games. There's some fun ones. There are some great calls. Well, I tell you what, the Bruins are heading on to the Eastern Conference Final where they will meet the Carolina Hurricanes. The underdog finds their way to the ECF. It will be the fifth playoff meeting in franchise history between the two, but only the third between the Bruins and the Hurricanes. The first two back in 1990 and 91 were between the Bruins and the Hartford Whalers. And Hartford would later move to Raleigh and become the Hurricanes. Boston won the first three series back in 1991 and 99. Carolina won the most recent one back in 2009. And, of course, the Canes haven't been to the playoffs since. We know we're going to get a good series because all series between these two in playoff history have gone at least six games. So we know it's going to be good hockey. It's going to be fun hockey. I tell you what, no matter what team is in, what sport, what have you, you just want to see it go six, seven games and be a good series, right? Um, uh, um, unless it's a team you're really rooting for, then you, then you want it to be over. Yeah, you, know, you want it to be yeah. a four game sweep. Just just because everybody who's a hockey fan, it there are not as many, uh, you know, just just uh, casual hockey. Fans. Yeah, yeah. I was going to use the word lackadaisical. Okay. There are not as many casual hockey fans. People, if people are hockey fan. They are a hockey fan. They are. And, and there, there really has to be something to it. And, and then with how much I love these announcers um, with their calls, you know, especially uh, they're winning, winning a game uh, in overtime and, and, and all that great stuff, would I get into that if, if I had something invested in, in It'd be this fun. team? Yeah. yeah. And, and I remember a little bit of that when I was a kid, you know, living near the Twin Cities and – and and when the wild were really good mm-hmm. and and it's not like I followed them but then I would during the playoffs and mm-hmm. and that was a lot of fun and I've I've always meant to get into hockey and and I guess my just my love for baseball I mean I just use that as an excuse but but I'm definitely going to do do a lot more to get into hockey over this next week so so I can really have a good feel for uh, the Stanley Cup Finals when it comes. Milwaukee needs an NHL team, a Wisconsin-area NHL team I would like to see. Uh, you've got the Badgers, although they've gone through a few tough years, but I really think they're primed for a breakout year coming up this year. I think Tony Granato is the right guy for the job, and I see big things coming for Badger hockey here over the next year or so. Plus, it's coming to the UP here. Let's go. Are, you want to go and watch that together? Oh, I'm, I'm planning on going. I'm down. It's going to be fun.
and and I I I don't know why there isn't a professional hockey team in Wisconsin. It seems like I I always thought when I was younger that you know there'd be a bit more of an aversion to move a hockey team to a place like Las Vegas mm-hmm. and in these warmer climates. Um, that doesn't seem to really affect the game a whole lot, or as far as the interest of the game. Um, but but with how. Um, now the Bucks are drawing, the Brewers are drawing, obviously the Packers. I mean, that's not even a, mm-hmm. a contest. Um, I, I really think they'd be able to draw for a, for a hockey team. So I, I always thought it'd be a good city. That and Kansas City I thought would be good hockey cities. They do have a minor league hockey team. They have the Predators' top minor league affiliate in the Milwaukee Admirals, but I still think an NHL affiliate would do really well. Yeah, and, and people are into the Admirals. Yeah. I mean, uh even even when I go and visit my grandma in good old Chilton, Wisconsin, mm. there's there's Milwaukee Admirals uh, advertisements. I hear it on the radio. I see it on TV. So so it, it's out there. People follow it. It's pretty cool. The uh, other Stanley Cup playoff game last night, the Avalanche beat the Sharks 4-3 to in overtime to keep their series alive. They will play a Game 7. Gabriel Landeskog had the game winner. J.D. Comfer scored twice. It was a weird game in the sense that you have two really good offensive teams. The two teams combined didn't even reach 50 shots, which is really surprising to see. You know, and it shouldn't be as good a defenseman as they have. I think they might have even better offense in that series. The defense ruled last night. Yeah, and 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 with stuff like hockey, you know, I was really into college hockey. Um, living up in Alaska, being a fan of the Sea Wolves. Oh yeah, um, a good friend of mine had season tickets to the Sea Wolves, and we would go to every game. Obviously, they're a Division One school, but just with with how with how much I was able to get into following the Sea Wolves, um, I would think that that would help me lead. Lita, you know, it, the hard thing for me is, man, if that team's not from Wisconsin, it, um, it's going to be hard for me to really fall in love with that team. But there's no reason why I can't get into hockey in general. You ever watch the Sea Wolves when they come here to play Northern? I have not gone to a Sea Wolves game. I've listened to them on the radio. Okay, yeah. Good old Dave Dennis giving you the play-by-play. That's right. There that's you go. Right. And and I got to tell you, man, with how good a lot of these hockey announcers are. It's it's just as good, and and up in Alaska, you know, we'd have our little Walkman radios and be listening to the announcer, the radio play by play while we're watching the game in person. Mm. Oh, that's so much fun! I always enjoy doing that. Tell you what, I know he's not with our network, but I love the way Kenny Albert calls a game. It's one of my favorite broadcasters. Not just hockey because he does all four major sports. He's up there, Mike Lang, Penguins radio announcer. He's the guy that inspired me to want to be a hockey broadcaster. Uh, there are just so many in that sport, and really that transcends not just hockey, but to all sports. We could do a whole segment on broadcasts and uh, and guys that we enjoy listening to, we've learned from. Right, and and yeah, with, with me and you, I think that's something that we're really nostalgic about in general, is, is we really appreciate our great play-by-play guys. Well, I tell you what, another ticket to the conference finals will be punched tonight. That comes in the Western Conference. We know who the Eastern Conference finalists are. Now we need to decide who's going in the West. The Blues host the Stars tonight. That series tied at three games apiece. The Blues forced the Game 7 with a 4-1 win on Sunday. They are favored to clinch on home ice tonight. Tell you what, it's a hard time for me picking a winner between these two teams. It's a coin flip. Both of them got stuff that I like about them. I like the way Dallas always seems to have an answer for St. Louis. I think St. Louis's upside is better than Dallas's. 
I'm trying to make a prediction tonight. I don't know if I can. I just know St. Louis is technically the favorite, according to Vegas. Jeez, I don't know if I've ever heard you so torn. Yeah, it's, but it's a tough one. It's a good series. I don't know if I've ever heard you so torn, but just from what I've heard, and um, you know, the series being tied. Obviously, how you know there was that four to one win. That that's pretty convincing. You know, I I have to go St. Louis. Yep. I'm gonna have to pick St. Louis, and and that might not be a very educated pick, but then again, sometimes those are the best. It's weird, especially in this playoff, that if you don't know anything about hockey, usually that's the guy you want picking your bracket if you're into filling out hockey brackets. Right, and that's it's kind of like that way with college basketball sometimes too, isn't it? I tell you what, I I have never seen so many upsets maybe in the last two, three years. That transcends all sports, not just college basketball or NHL hockey. It seems like we're in the age of the upset right now. Definitely, and I think that comes with uh, being in the age of parody. There you go. Age of parody, breed parody, breed upsets, what have you. Makes for good TV. And that is exactly what all sports want. I, I really think that's got to be what they want because well, it's what they're getting. That's probably what the NHL wanted, at least parity to a point, because could you imagine if Columbus and Raleigh were two of the final four markets, television markets in the NHL playoffs? They're happy that Boston was able to get in there over Columbus. Right, and and yeah, that is, that is something that... That hurts the NHL too. Is uh, who is when when these smaller markets are playing in the big big games. You know, um, I would I would really like to see. You know, at, at that point, um, how many Canadians are watching it then? At yeah. that point, because there are no teams left, yeah. and I'm sure we still have people who watch North of Border because there are plenty of Canadian players on the teams based in America. Right. But I wonder how many of them have just tuned out and are just already looking ahead to the CFL or something. Right. Or uh, the XFL. That was all over the news this morning. All over the news this morning. Yeah, good news for the XFL if you're hoping that they are able to make it work. I'd kind of like to see it work, to be honest with you. Really, I would too. And they're saying they're going to be paying their players a lot more um, than than most other leagues uh, that we have recently seen fail and they 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 claim they're making a three-year commitment um it, it will not just be a one and done uh mcmahon is putting up the money for three years regardless um he wants to really try and build something here from the ground up so you you like to hear that he he's actually going to be willing to stick with it Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you. We owe you our last time out. When we come back, we break down what's been happening in Major League Baseball next in the Sports Pen and ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you. If you've missed any part of the show, get a free mobile app. Get it from the Apple iStore or Google Play just search ESPN-UP. You can hear this show, plus any that we've done archived in the on-demand section. Tell you what, we switch to Major League Baseball. We start looking ahead. No afternoon games today. Makes things a little bit easier on us, I suppose, to speculate and look ahead. We'll start with the area teams because 7-10 tonight, we've got the Angels and Tigers. Griffin Canning is opposed by Darren Norris. Tigers have overexceeded expectations this year. They're sitting at 15-16. and 16. The Angels, meanwhile, 15-19, and 19, probably about where a lot of people thought they would be. They're hoping, though, Shohei Atani is going to come back here shortly. Yeah, and if he could come back and uh, if he's hitting anything like he did last year, uh, I, I really don't know as far as 
you know, with with the Tommy John, uh, you know, what what are they allowed to do leading up? Uh, you know, how much are they really allowed to swing a bat leading up to their their comeback? Because um, that cannot be easy. No, being away from baseball and then trying to come back and swing that swing the bat and make contact on 100 mile an hour pitches. Um, but it, it, that would definitely be a boon for the Angels if he could come back. Well, and they need it. They just do. Because right now they're relying on the merchandise Mike Trout jerseys bring in. There's there's just not a lot to feel good about right now if you're an Angels fan. No, and other than uh, Mike Trout signing that huge deal, right? Uh, tell you what, though. Despite the Angels' struggles, Vegas actually has the Angels as the favorite. In tonight's game. Oh, now that would be one I would be willing to bet on. Um, really? Of course, with the pitching matchup. You know, the Tigers the, being 15 and 16 and 4 and 6 in their last 10, Gardner had these guys playing really well to start the year off, and I wouldn't be surprised if they could get on another streak like that, especially against a team like the Angels. Gardner finally starting to implement Saber metrics. He's fighting it, or he has been fighting it for almost a decade, and now he's saying, all right, technology, you win. Uh, old Ronnie G, I, man, he's the one guy I will not hold it against him, you know, not wanting to implement that stuff because he's had so much success. Um, if he's able to still, if he's able to blend it with his style of management, look out baseball. Well, I tell you what, the Brewers will host the Nationals tonight at 740. Steven Strasburg takes the bump for Washington. He's opposed by Adrian Hauser as the Brewers go the opener route and that's something i like this adjustment from craig council you start going with the opener route because the milwaukee starting pitching staff i mean it just hasn't been good here early on last in the mlb and quality starts but i like this opener strategy because they've got guys that can give you longevity out of the bullpen this is a really good adjustment by craig council and and really what the plan is um it it goes back to Freddie Peralta um, and his first inning woes. I believe his first inning ERA is over 10, mm. and that's going back to last year. So what they're doing is they're taking him out of the first inning. Um, I'm not sure, you know, Adrian Hauser's been stretched out as a starter, um, so I don't know if, if, you know, if he is pitching well. Uh, he might go through the lineup to, I don't, three times but if he's pitching well he might he might see three or four innings um but i think really what they're trying to do is is like you said use hauser as an opener then get freddie peralta in there um there's just something about freddie peralta in the first inning uh his era drops down to under three for the second third innings so that's when they're trying to get him the ball and and we'll see how successful that can be um i just find it interesting you know the brewers are tied for second in the National League and wins when they're third in their division. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some good baseball being played right now, and wow, are the Dodgers a hot team. Well, the Brewers are a hot team themselves right now. They've won seven of their last ten, including four in a row. They've been good at home this season. They have a 14-8 and record at home. How about this for a night game stat? Washington is 5-13 and in night games this year. Plus, they come into this game three and seven in their last 10. So that bodes well for Milwaukee. Yeah. And there was speculation. Anthony Rendon might be back for them tonight. Mm -hmm. Um, Possibility. That would be, Oh man. I mean, that just changes that lineup. I think he might be one of the most underrated players in all of baseball. And, and he does get his notoriety. He does get talked about, but I mean, that just goes to show how good he really is because 
I think he needs to be talked about a lot more. I think uh, I think he's the second best third baseman in all of baseball, um, beside, uh, behind Nolan Arenado. It's just it's just there. I I really think the star power is really starting to align in Major League Baseball, and and I'm loving it. The Nationals have some great young players. Um, the Brewers were able to didn't technically beat Max Scherzer last night, but they won a game that he started, mm-hmm. so that's always nice. Well, who would have thought that Ben Gamble would be the hero? Who would have thought Ben Gamble would be the hero in that game? Goes three for five, drives in a run. I think he didn't get a second RBI because of an error or something like that. But Ben Gamble turns out to be the hero in that one. Yeah, Ben Gamble, he's been hitting over 300 now for the season. Started off slow, but his defense has been great. I'm real worried, you know, Lorenzo Cain did not play last night. Um, They might have sat Cain last night anyways because they were loading lefties against Max Scherzer. Going into that game, Max Scherzer had an ERA of over 6.5 against lefties on the season. So Craig Council was just loading lefties, and and ultimately it, it proved to really be the smart move. But, but yeah, Ben Gamble batting over 300, playing a solid center field. He's already got some outfield assists. Um, he was taking playing time away from Ryan Braun yeah. a, a week or two ago. So a guy batting 300 with an OPS over 800, hey, you love to see that. Well, I tell you what, let's go through it division by division. We'll start in the American League East. Tampa Bay, right now with the best record in baseball at 22-12. and 12. They have somehow perfected the opener strategy. The Yankees are getting more healthy, and they're starting to accumulate the wins that people thought would be there. They're sitting at 20-14. and 14. The Red Sox may be starting to figure things out. They're still two under five hundred. The Blue Jays, right now, they're totally invested on Vlad Guerrero Jr. and trying to promote optimism for the future because they're not... They're not a very good team right now. And then Baltimore is starting to take shape as the cellar dweller in the American League East at 13-22. and 22. You know, wh- how much how much of a chance do you give the Rays of holding on and winning, winning this division? I really think their best chance is going to be as a wild card. They might be able to hold on and beat the Red Sox. You know, if the Red Sox just have an overall down, down year. But that, that has to be unlikely. Uh, really, the shocking thing to me is the Red Sox are only eight and seven at home. Mm-hmm. Um, they have played an astounding more amount of away games than home games. And how much is that playing into their whole uh, slow start? You know that that might be one of the big reasons why they're still sitting at a few games under five hundred. That that's a talented division. Um, even the teams, you know, towards the bottom, like the Blue Jays, they have some real talent. They they have some great players coming up. So and and it's not just Vlad Guerrero Jr. There are some other guys involved, and 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 I won't get into the whole into the whole baseball prospect thing because oh boy, could that eat up some time. But but this is just a talented division, and and it's fun to see a team like the Rays at the top as of now. And the Red Sox don't they play in London next month? They have to go to London and play the Yankees in a neutral site game. Yeah, I believe so. How weird and, is that? Yeah, that, it's not going to help their lack of home games early on. Right, and and I'm not sure who that was a home game for. Mm-hmm. You, I don't either. Aren't, and aren't, isn't it surprising, you know, the Red Sox and the Yankees, that's like taking a home game away from the Kansas City Chiefs or yeah. the Green Bay Packers. That's just like unheard of. 
The American League Central, Minnesota's on top. They are 9 over 500, second best record in baseball, half a game behind Tampa Bay. Cleveland at 18 and 15, three games back of them. Then the Tigers, White Sox, and Royals round out the division. That one's starting to take shape pretty much like people thought it would. Maybe flip Minnesota and Cleveland. Minnesota certainly over-exceeded expectations. Marquette native Adam Hammery was behind the plate, umping their game in Toronto last night actually ejected Blue Jays manager Charlie Montoya was pretty cool. Yeah, and and you, you love to hear you know guys from Marquette uh, going on and doing great things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really firmly believe that if the Twins can avoid injury and you know their pitching has been no joke, yeah. and I really think they have a chance to to not just win the division, but they could make some moves. They have what it takes in the farm system. Um, They could afford to swing some deals for some pretty good players. They could add to the bullpen, add another bat off the bench. You know, all these moves that teams like to make who are in contention, uh, they really have assets available to them. And, And with the Indians suffering through injuries, Oh, man, I really like the Twins' chances. This would be the year that the Twins, you know, they're a completely different team than they were last season. A new managerial coaching staff. Martin Perez, who pitched last night, he added a cutter. You know, he's the guy that shattered his elbow and then killed the bull that caused his shattered elbow. He looks better than ever. He's added a cutter for the first time ever. And this season, opponents are 7 for 70 against his cutter. Isn't that funny? How many guys have saved their careers by adding a cutter? Yeah. Wow, that is just one of those pitches that if you can get it down, it's like a split-finger fastball. It is real tough to hit if you can throw that halfway decent. At AOS, the Houston Astros on top at 21-14 and 14 record. Seattle, they got out to a blazing hot start. They're just one game over 500 now, three games back. Uh, Texas sitting at 500. The Angels have surpassed Oakland for the bottom of that division. Wow. And, and Chris Davis has not hit a home run. No, unless, how unless, weird is that? Yeah, unless he hit one last night, he hasn't hit a home run in over two weeks. Mm-hmm. So that right there in and of itself is super strange. Matt Chapman, um, they did their early season poll. Um, some baseball writers did an early season poll of uh, AL MVP. And I think Matt Chapman finished third in that voting. Jeez. He's having a great start to his season. Um He's another great defensive third baseman, along with uh, having the offensive aspect of his game. The Mariners cooling off. The Rangers, are they even really a 500 team? That's no. debatable. And the Angels, like we said before, they're right where we expected. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll expect Oakland to uh, you know climb these standings, but yeah, I didn't think that they're fifth place material in the west right but i really don't think anybody's going to be challenging the astros this year not like last year looking to the nl east the phillies are on top a game and a half lead over the atlanta braves the mets suddenly cooling off considerably they're three games under 500 the nationals really cooling off they're six games below 500 and then the marlins round out the division at 10 and 24 there were four teams that really could win this division everyone was saying at the start of the year i was never that high on the Mets never that high on the Nationals I thought this was Philly and Atlanta's division I did think that the Mets and Nationals would be a little more competitive than this though well I definitely agree with you uh when it comes to um I I mean I really thought the Phillies and the Braves had the best chance of this division but I did think the Nationals would be playing a lot better uh than the Mets at this point 
Um, the Mets have some very, very streaky players, and the main thing about the Mets is they have the worst defense, like, by yes, far they do. in all of baseball. And that has cost them more than a few games this year. So, and, and that is one thing that's just not sustainable at all in the game of baseball. Tell you what, looking at the Central, St. Louis, despite being swept by the Cubs over the weekend, they bounce back with a win last night. And they move back into first place at 21-14. and 14. The Cubs half a game back, followed by Milwaukee, one game out. So the top three in that Central division separated by just one game. And you got to keep an eye on Pittsburgh. They're three games back, one over 500. Cincinnati bringing up the rear at 15-20. and 20. They're playing a little better after the slow start they had to the season. Yeah, and, and you look at what the Reds have done, their lack of offense, players like Jose Peraza, players that have played at a really high level offensively in the past. Joey Votto is having his worst season of his career. I mean, it's not even close. Um, Yasiel Puig absolutely has not produced at all. Um, It's kind of like Milwaukee. Travis Shaw batting 170. Jesus Aguilar batting 170. They each have three or four home runs batting 170. Um, So I, I think it's kind of funny. The Reds have had a much better pitching staff than the Brewers have had thus far, Um, but their offense needs to come around, and I believe, at least for stretches this year, it will. Um, So the fact that they're only six games out, I'm not saying they're going to contend for a spot in this division, but they're, they're not as bad as they look right now. To the NL West before we sign off. The Dodgers, nine games over 500. That's about where everybody thought they would be. They're leading that division by two games over Arizona, who's maybe exceeding expectations just a bit. The Padres, four games over 500 with their revamped infield. The Rockies might be the biggest surprise in this division. They're fourth place, three games below 500, and then the Giants bring up the rear at 15-20. and 20. And the Rockies are, are the team in the NL West that are really... Uh, you know, you you would expect the Rockies and the Diamondbacks to kind of be flipped right now. Um, obviously, the Padres, that was just such a hard team to judge coming yep. into the season. Uh, how, how are certain players going to fit and how are other players going to do coming up to the majors? You really expect the Dodgers to just run away with this division. Um, the Rockies have such talented uh, starters, and, and they are just not getting consistency from them. And that's what plagued them against the Brewers last week. The first two games, Rockies looked terrible. And then the last two games, they put up a combined 22 runs and just stomped the Brewers. So that's a team right there that just a couple hot weeks and they could be right back in it. But um, I guess there are it's about half the teams in the National League, you could say that. And, and that's what makes baseball this time of year a lot of fun. Dodgers just signed Travis Darno as a catcher. You like that move? Um, I really don't, just because I, had, I saw him for a few series with the Mets earlier in the year. And I don't know what his deal was, man. He could not. He, he was like Yasmani Grandal last year in the National League Championship Series. He he couldn't block the ball. He couldn't hit the ball. Hopefully he can get it back on track. The Dodgers are looking for help at the catcher position. But that is about the only position they are looking for help at. So even if they don't get it, I think they'll be in okay shape. Tell you what, since we end on the NL West, 
We end with the stat of the day. I saved it for the end. Last night, San Francisco Giants third baseman Pablo Sandoval did something no major league player has done since 1905. He hit a home run, he stole a base, and he recorded at least one out as a pitcher in the same game. A position player was pitching because they lost 12-4. He became the first player since 1905 to homer, steal, and record at least one out pitching. Yeah, and he he induced a double play as yes. well. So two I believe, outs pitching. I believe he has uh, two scoreless innings to his name now yeah. as a major league pitcher. Um, I I I I personally enjoy uh, position players pitching, um, just because whenever it gets to that point, it means the game is pretty bad, and that can be something that's fun to watch. So it can take a bad game and make it a lot better. But uh, how surprised are you that Pablo Sandoval is even still in Major League Baseball? Good for him, yeah, huh? Yeah, absolutely. He, he's like the position player. Obviously, he's not nearly as old, but he's the position player Bartolo Colon. Let's see if he can do it another 15 years. Well, as always, good talking with you, being able to break everything down with you. We'll see you next week. Thank you very much, Tanner. I appreciate it. Uh, I had a cold this week, but, but we powered through it. I really appreciate it. That's it for us in the sports pen. For Charlie Bramer, I'm Tanner Hoops on ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.